Greetings, comic book nerds, and welcome to episode 24 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one and only Hector. How's it going, Hector? Like Link, I'm awakened. Ooh, good one. <laughs> well, you know what time it is, folks. Go ahead and strap yourselves in and prepare for We've Got Comic Sign. On today's episode of The Pull List, we've got a wonderful show for you. We're going to hit all of the latest news. Captain Marvel goes to the dark side. Your favorite skull-faced hero, Johnny Blaze, is back. Diamond Comics distributor shakes things up a little. And so much more. All that, plus our polls from the last two weeks. This is The Pull List Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. That's right. So rolling on into our newsroom, we have some breaking news. When you see, we've got awesome sound effects here all about right. it. But literally, as we sit down to record, we find out that the Spider-Mans is back in the MCU. So Sony and Disney, I guess, got their stuff worked out. And by got their stuff worked out means Disney popped open that fat checkbook and probably wrote an insane check. Because... Let, let's let's be honest. Sony was in the driver's seat on that one because that, that they know it's worth the money. Um, so good news, I guess. But I'm just fascinated that as I was catching up on this story, as we sat down and I was reading through it, the entire world is celebrating the return of Spider-Man. But if you actually read the article, it's only for one movie, apparently. So um, hopefully. Yeah, the but M- a week MCU ago, he wasn't in the MCU, it, I guess. A week ago, he wasn't in the MCU, so one more movie could turn into more. Or this could be part of Marvel's big power play to actually get him back. So here, Here's hoping it's that one, but I think that's probably a fairly shrewd and wise Sony sitting there going, I'll give you one movie, and we'll talk again when that one's over. We'll just be going and cashing these wonderful checks and filling up our Scrooge McDuck money bin and going for a swim while you enjoy your one movie. But, Spider fans, 2021 is apparently the tentative date for that, so clearly, you know, this stuff was on the drawing boards, and we just had to let a bunch of companies fight it out and figure out for themselves what on earth they wanted to do. But, hey, Spidey's back! We should get excited at least for that much. Wow, you know, actually, actually, as I can, it's okay, fine. As I look over my news, I'm just going to talk a lot about Marvel today. So you Marvel kids, go ahead and scooch a little closer to your audio playing device because we have more Marvel news for you. And that starts with, like you heard at the top of the show, in Captain Marvel 13, which is coming out here soon, apparently the story is that Carol has gone a little dark. Um... And the Cree side of her is apparently a little distracted. And in the solicit, and I believe it's for December, it literally says that Captain Marvel is going to kill an Avenger. Doesn't say which one. Just says that there's an impending death and Captain Marvel is going to be the Deathbringer. I, I don't quite know what the make of that, but this is comics and crazy stuff kind of happens all the time, but... That's kind of weird to me. You know, Captain Marvel is usually kind of an upbeat book. It has been, at least for the last year or so. Um, So I guess if we need to find out what's going on there, because 
you solicited that you're going to kill an Avenger. I don't know. So we'll have to keep our eye out for what's going to happen in December there with Captain Marvel. And then, I don't know about you, but what are your feelings on the Ghost Rider from Marvel fame? Well, personally, the only thing I've read of Ghost Rider terribly recently was the whole Marvel Presents thing, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. And I've enjoyed those things and uh, some of those stories with that. But, uh, and I think I bought a recent Ghost Rider. Um, I bought the um, Absolute Carnage Ghost Rider tie-in. Yep. And all kind of, and Carnage has been tying into everything, so that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and um, I enjoyed it. Um, Ghost Rider, which ghost, like, which Ghost Rider was it? It's whichever one yeah. is like uh, Johnny Blaze is the one that was in Hell, right? Yep. Okay, Johnny Blaze taps uh, the current Ghost Rider to go rescue an old female Ghost Rider from Carnage. Okay. Um, so lots of lots of ghost riding going on. Yeah, there's Got three it. different ghost riders, and then I think um, at the end of the book, there's like 30, 40 ghost riders in hell, uh, like all like Goodness. mounting up together or something. So I don't know. I was I, like, I, I re- just got to insert this. I Go got to insert this right here. Can do you imagine that many ghost riders in hell literally all have Nick Cage's face? Oh, just me. Why'd you have to ruin it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I've now given all of our listeners that image for the rest of the day, and you are welcome. How about it's about as bad as the fact that Idris Elba's entry into the Marvel Universe is a Ghost Rider movie. <sighs> all right. So <laughs> the thing that's important about this is that Johnny Blaze, the Ghost Rider that has been occupying hell and was the first Ghost Rider, is on his way back in a brand new number one. So Ghost Rider's making way back into, I believe, ongoing. I don't think it is a limited. Um, But that's happening here in the next couple months. So Johnny Blaze is officially back, which has been a while because they've been playing off this, though. Well, he's been stuck in hell while the other Ghost Riders kind of work things out. So if you've been looking for that old school, um, really big-rimmed sunglasses and Nick K, dang it. Well, you know, I just never believed Nick Cage as Ghost Rider. Like that was never an actual part of my life where I acknowledged that. Um, So that doesn't (laughs) hurt my feelings. Um, But at least Johnny's coming back to the pages of a Marvel book, and I'm at least sort of excited. Ghost Rider is a neat character. It's just I think it's one of those things of we need a James Gunn or someone to work their way out of their woodwork to do. Guardians level magic to Ghost Rider, so that you know who I think would be Ghost good Rider for Ghost again. Rider, Whedon. Mm. You you might you might be on to something there because that's probably about the right sarcastic punch level for for Ghost Rider, and then thankfully CGI effects are a thousand times better than they were than the last time we tried to light a chain on like fire. This Will I mean, this Will Smith movie where he's playing against this younger self. I'm like, where has this technology been? Because <laughs> that's right? even that's even better than the, like the Marvel de aging things. 
Hollywood, I don't know what you're doing to us, but keep doing it. Dude, they're just going to start making sequels to movies that have been gone for decades now. Because they can. (sighs) I am now officially going to be sad for the rest of the podcast. I blame Hector for the results of the rest of the show. Unless it's really good. (laughs) Usually that's fair. All right. Well, finally, as wrapping up kind of our industry news that, I mean, some of the most important stuff is the reason things are kind of quiet this week and last week is because New York Comic Con is, well, next week. So we'll have more than enough to talk about the next time that we come together. But for the time being, everybody's kind of holding their cards a little close to the vest because, well, they've got a week worth of big Comic Con to kind of close the season out on. So we'll be ready for New York Comic Con once we hit episode 25. So stay tuned for that. But for those of you that are interested in at least kind of looking behind the veiled curtain that is the comic book industry, um, I know from time to time we will mention Diamond Comic Book Distributors, which is the primary distributor for all comics, all of them, 100% minus some very small individual publishers that literally ship things directly to folks that Diamond has been the monopoly forever. And you occasionally hear us talk about how, well, not so wonderful they are at times. And sometimes they come through and do wonderful things. All of that said, there's been some kind of seismic shifts over at Diamond, and they've been restructuring the top end of the company, their parent companies. And everybody's kind of waiting to see if that changes anything, or if some folks that have literally kind of been the cornerstone to a lot of problems, but also solutions, uh, to be fair and balanced on that one, I guess. Um, I have obviously some opinions as a former retailer and had my share of wonderful diamond stories, but hopefully with a restructure of the company, we might see some new lifeblood poured back into them and they just need to really crank up on their customer service side. So some of us are kind of just hopeful that this restructure is going to put people in the right places to start fixing some things that quite honestly could have been fixed decades ago in terms of how they handle their customers, that is the comic book stores, so that each one of you wonderful listeners can get your books on time and hopefully in one piece and not in small little shredded wet piles of things, which happens more than I That's care a to. really texture-filled phrase yeah (laughs) yeah so it's one of those things that our industry can be really interesting and at other times it's literally a story about a logistics entity and whether they actually can do their job right so congratulations welcome to behind the veil with chris poirier here on the polis podcast i'm sure that's the most interesting thing you have ever learned from this news segment but for today at least that's the news. And as always, you can join us on the Facebook community at Love Thy Nerd Community. Just search for Love Thy Nerd Facebook community and you'll you'll find us. And we talk about the news and comics just about every day when it's important or it comes up. But at least every new comic book day, which is Wednesday, we usually have a good long conversation about books that are coming out, news that's hitting, and all that. So you want to partake? Go ahead and find us. You might even get mentioned on this wonderful show. So that's the news, kids. Uh, Not much, like we said. Stay tuned for New York Comic Con coming up in, well, it's going to be a week from now when you hear us. Well, actually, it'll be week of. So, you know, get ready for all that wonderful comic book news, and we'll fill your ear holes with all of it when we get back. 
But Hector, before we get to our wonderful polls for the weekend, there's, again, a ton of amazing books that have come out the last two weeks and stuff that we need to spend some time on. We decided we wanted to take a couple moments to, I guess, talk about one of our favorite things, which is the DC Universe and how they're just doing good content. Yay! We don't always suck. (laughs) Right? And the best part about that is... Season two of Titans has been working itself through to our eyeballs and we're technically three episodes in. We'll be four into this evening date of recording. Um, I'm still really happy with this show. And I remember when we were pontificating almost a year ago on, is this going to be painful? What are they going to do with the Titans? And then we had season one and we were like, wow, that, that actually was pretty good. How how are you feeling as we start season two? Well, for me, like the start of season two, I was actually rather impressed with um, Trigon's graphics for being what it was. I thought they did a good job. And then, you know, the internet doesn't like me or my opinions. And <laughs> people were like, Trigon, more like try again. <laughs> um, oh. That's a bad pun. Um, but no, like... I, I'm very pleased with it. Like, you know, Starfire doesn't look like a extra in an Earth, Wind, and Fire video anymore. And No, that's been very good. I've been very happy about that. And um, I really like, um, like, I really like Hawk and Dove. Like, you know, as, as weird as that is, I would straight up be glad to have a just Hawk and Dove show. Um, so, on that note, I've kind of felt the same way that in the first season, I was like, okay, these are some pretty deep cut old school characters. Am I going to care? And by the end of the first season, I cared like a lot. I cared more about Hawk and Dove than anybody else on the show. That's fair. I I thought the most interesting interpersonal drama is taking place there. They're both complete badasses on top of that. And I think the most fascinating part is DC clearly either from the beginning decided they were going to be an integral part to this or heard all of us go, whoa, that was really good. Because either way, we're getting a lot more Hawk and Dove. And the dynamic has been super good so far that, you know, he is dealing with chemical dependencies and, you know, semi-spoiler, she is dealing with this dependency on the act of being a superhero. Like she's hooked on helping people. And it might be in episode three, but it might be episode two. I've already blended the two that they actually have that talk face to face on the no, no, no. We agreed we couldn't do this because I need drugs and alcohol to stop my body from hurting. And you don't want me to do that. But now you're telling me you have to beat the crap out of people to be okay. We we, we can't do this. And I was like, this is good TV. Go on. Yeah, it is. And and all of that is side by side with Jason Todd just Leroy Jenkins yeah. like every three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, like, um I think they have a really good version of Jason Todd at that age. Um Right. Like, he's not who I want Jason Todd to be. That's but fair. that but that doesn't mean that it's wrong for who he is in this season. Um, of life and you know 
I'm I'm on the other end where I've watched Jason weather a lot of storms, and I like who he is as a character now versus mm-hmm. yep. what we're seeing in this. But to be fair, this is accurately what we would have gotten had this been like filmed in the '80s or something. So it's not wrong, is where I'm at. Like this is not a bad choice. And I'll tell you what, looking at this version of Jason Todd being that slightly younger and like we've been talking about, my brain is going to hurt if they ever give us Damien. Because if this is Jason Todd, Damien's like straight up unbearable. (laughs) I don't think we can get to. I don't know logistically. Because if we're just at like. a rose story and stuff like that. I don't, no, I don't we're, know. We, we're super early, but it's just been bothering me. Cause as I'm watching Jason Todd at this age, I'm like, ah, oh, Damien would be the worst. Well, you're <laughs> saying that, but me. like, I thought you were going a different direction. I'm like, man, I really don't want to see, uh, the killing, uh, you know? Oh, oh yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I really don't want to see them kill Jason now. Um, that was where I went. And I'm like, and you're just like, don't give me annoying children. Um, right. So, well, well, here, here's the thing. So full, full disclosure, Hector is one episode behind me and his, he's going to be a little freaked out after he catches up. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no. It, 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 it's, it's not totally there, but, it, it makes you cringe a little in, in, where, in where it could go. So oh no. now, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Um, far as we know, no crowbars are involved. So, but yeah. <sighs> I'm but, malicious. So we probably should have said from the top, for those of you that haven't watched, there's some spoilers here. We're trying to sprinkle your interest because it continues to be a really good Titan story. So we're not going to dive too deep into some of the things. And that's why I was just semi sketchy right there. Um, we appreciate your sketchiness on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah I know it's what I do. Um, but what's also great is, so you mentioned Rose. So, you know, the team is formed. Dick has brought them to the West Coast. So San Francisco functions as the home of the Titans. And they have their Titans Tower now, which has been fun. Um, and we learn about the original team, which are all the characters we got introduced to in the first season. And, you know, D- Dick is doing what Dick does, which is try to fix stuff. And so that was kind of the thing that, Batman's like, cool, you can go back and use the tower and everything, but you, you got to take Jason with you because seriously, get him out of here. Um, and Dick's like, fine, we'll go and fix Jason, I suppose. And the story just kind of starts unfolding and we get introduced to this character, Rose. And for those of you that have some background in DC, you've probably connected all the dots already, but last name there, spoiler, no spoiler, um, is Wilson. And what we do see is this construct that looks very similar to the Judas contract, but with lots of pieces moved around. So when Hector and I talk about the fact that it looks like we're pretty early in the timeline, we're like super early in the timeline. Well, two, they just did the Judas contract in Young Justice. So it would be 
I think it would be a little odd to pull that here as well. Yeah, it's why I don't think it's a direct a- adaptation for obvious reasons, but so far it does have all those vibes of uh, instead of Terra um, being questionable, it's, oh, we know who Rose's dad is and that he basically tried to kill all of the original Titans. Um, but she seems to hate daddy like a lot. So maybe it's okay that she hangs out with us and Deathstroke, um, Slade is currently on mission to, well, remind the Titans that he's still around and he's going to finish what he started. So that's why I say kind of looking at the layout so far, it's got vibes of, the Judas contract, but I think that's all it's designed to do. I don't think it's designed to be an adaptation, but I think that's one thing I've really appreciated about Titans as a show is they call back really well without us really knowing whether they're going to tell us the whole story or if they're just giving us those little slices. So I'm super excited to have the Titans back and just to see that I, I haven't seen anything on DC Universe that I'm like, wow, they shouldn't have done that. And that includes Swamp Thing, which they promptly canceled, but was really freaking good. How dare you? Yeah, budgets. <laughs> Here's hoping all of us will be like, but Swampy was really good, so you should do the thing, right? Do the thing. Do what's right, DC. We want John Constantine. That's Because that's we have a history of that. Oh. <laughs> 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 so, it, I mean, I just wanted to spend a couple minutes and be kind of unapologetic in applauding DC universe here because I, I think they're doing a, I think they're doing superheroes right right now. And that's really exciting to me is it's compelling stuff and it's fun. So was anything that I missed in kind of your, like getting introduced to season two that you're like, wow, this is just the thing that I was like, that's awesome. No, I meant like for me, it's been more Hawk and dove um, on. Oh yeah. We should hit up. I think they did a good job with Bruce Wayne. Um, right. I uh, think they got a lot of garbage for that one too, but I I dig that it's Bruce. We haven't seen that dude as Batman yet. It's Bruce. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, They got serious nerd credit with that just because this dude is nerd central in a lot of fandoms. Um, Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, all the things like... He's an open door for fandom inclusion, so it's not a wrong choice. Because I know there are people who are going to watch it simply because Sir Jorah of Mormont is in it. Or, you know, that Doctor Who fans, or, I mean, what's really, you know, he was on Downton Abbey, so that's where the real love is. Um, Sure. (laughs) Which that movie was actually, you know, really dope. I was, (laughs) had fun. I don't think this is the right podcast No, no, don't spoil it, don't spoil it. I, I, no. I'm not saying anything. I will sp- I'm I'm going to spoil Titans for you, but you're not allowed to spoil, spoil Downton Down Abbey. Abbey for me. I will never forgive you. <sighs> I mean, how much spoilers can there be in Downton Abbey? That's fair. <laughs> Just saying. Well, Pinky's out, my brother. Pinky's out. All right. <laughs> Again, this is the wrong so, time, podcast. Let's get on track. Um, right. That That's our other podcast, which we'll be launching in 2020. Pinky's out. Downton on the Love Thy Nerd Network. From Love Thy Nerd Network, Downton Abbey, revisited with Chris and Hector. Yes. You I'm sorry, that's, really not, that's not going to happen. We're, we're going to totally talk about work. comics. 
We could do. We could actually well, do a podcast just of British television. Ooh, I'd have a ball with that. Yeah, hold on. I'm writing that down. Do some Luther rewinds and yeah, mm. man. See, I I don't know if Peaky Coming Blinders season two. counts, but you know, huh? I do season enjoy two. some Peaky Blinders. Stand by, season two of the Polis Podcast, British television. Those things aren't related, but welcome to podcasting. So that was a wonderful discussion. I I'm just really happy with what DC is doing. I'm and so this will be a great opportunity for me to balance the field and be completely fair and say I'm just as excited that Disney Plus is going to be just as wonderful, and we're almost in the sphere of not more than 30 days that we'll know how good it is. So. I know everyone kind of out there is probably complaining about, I got to keep paying for these services, but I don't pay for cable anymore because all these little things are way better and they cost less. Well, that's, that's the thing. Uh, we're cutting our cable when Disney plus launches. Yeah, no, uh, we cut a while back and looking at it, I was like, yeah, I can literally have everything I want between that and Hulu and this, and I'm good. I'm straight up good. And the content is so far a thousand times better than just about anything we've gotten over the cable. So it's a good time to be a nerd, folks. And speaking of it being an incredibly good time to be a nerd. Let's go ahead and dive into our polls from the last couple weeks because it's kind of great to be in comics right now. So, Hector, tell me about all those wonderful things that you've been reading over the last couple of weeks. And I know between the two of us, we got some cool stuff. Well, out the gate, I want to hit up Harleen, the DC label or the DC black label, black label. book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we don't exactly do picks of the week, but if I did a pick of the week, it would be this. Um, this is Hector's stone cold lock of the century of the week. And please don't sue me for that copyright infringement. That is not mine, but it's so good. Um, I'm so, <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that. I don't even know what that is. What oh, you... that's an Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Carl. Uh, <sighs> yeah. For like an entire season of NFL, they literally had him do uh, picks and did do like a minute worth of talking about teams in the Carl voice. And so that was his. That was the joke that his pick of the week of the century, whatever. That 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 was my chi- that was part of my childhood in watching NFL. I'm sorry. That was not that was not your childhood. No, that was more college. But I was about to say, like, you're not that young or old or anything. I'm, chi- I'm a child at heart. I was like, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. You're a grown man. Um, <laughs> garbage. It was yeah. Uh, it was college. Uh, shenanigans, dude. You just want excuse yeah. to watch cartoons. Um, but but Harleen. You're right. Harleen. Harleen, um, I was not a book I was excited about. Uh, just full disclosure, I'm like, do we need another Harley book? Is my cynical mindset. And I was um, right there with you. And in my cynical mindset, that was the thought of uh It's like we've we've got enough Harley books. Do we need more? And then um with that, I I decided it was worth giving a shot to, and um, I'm not displeased with it. I was rather impressed the whole way around with um, just the delivery of it, man. Like, 
it was impressive to see what they did with that story because so far everything that they're telling us basically is like Harley's origin story from Batman Mad Love but with more texture and depth but and let me just say this not just texture and depth the writing is fantastic um the art is equally amazing I'm I'm not like, totally this is Okay good that's not I'm not totally, I'll say the art is fantastic. My beef is I don't totally love um, what they've done with uh, Joker's look. Oh, no. Okay. All right. That's fair. I I enjoyed the overall presentation, and I kind of did hate Joker. And I think we're stuck with it. Joker looks a little too much like Pretty Boy, uh, like... He almost looks manga. Yeah, no, it's like straight cheekbones and yeah, it's a real weird look. He seems a little too clean cut for me and I kind of felt the same way, but maybe that's part of the point. Cause if we're hearing Harley's story through her mind that he's supposed I've to been, be that right, that I've kind of tried to look at it as I've been thinking about it going, well, she is telling her story. It's not just out of the story. It is kind of a, she talks to herself and demonstrates this story. So I kind of wonder if that's part of it, but it is a weird look for Joker. I'm, I'm definitely on board with that. And I think that was my biggest beef is I don't love that look. Um, it's not the worst and it doesn't ruin it. It's not a deal breaker. I don't love it. Um, but beyond that, the art is fantastic. Like there's the panel of, um, her watching them battle through the smoke. And I thought that was majestic as crap. I'm just like, holy cow. Like, no, you know, she's, that was r- really cool. She was talking about, you know, like watching, you know, the thunder and lightning strike. Each- I'm just like, my goodness, this is beautiful. Um, and then so, as Joker actually uses his signature revolver, there's just these piercings of the smoke. Um, and everything that I was like, Oh, that's, that's super smart. Uh, yeah, no, that entire sequence was just brilliant. And that's the thing. I've, I was really impressed with the artwork. I was really impressed with the dialogue. I was really impressed with the depth of it because here's the deal. I was not looking forward to this book. I thought, man, this is going to be seven bucks that I'm not getting back for another, another rehashing of a Harley book. And then there's like a Harley and Joker book about to drop too. Right. I mean, like there's, yep, there's all these things and I'm like, do I need this? But in honesty, like this was the most satisfying read I've had in a while. And I would strongly recommend that if you just like good storytelling, this is for you. And you know, you do get a lot of the elements of some old school Batman stuff. You get uh pre two face Harvey, you get yep. um, early Arkham, you still get, a lot of what makes these characters great. And um yeah, Dr. Hugo Strange is still in charge at Arkham. You see early Zaz, you see early Ivy. It's really cool because they did a really great job of kind of sprinkling that rogues gallery that Harley becomes a part of on multiple levels because you see Killer Croc and other folks as well. So you see the Suicide Squad elements, you see just original Rose Gallery that really early she one of the first files she reads is ivy i was just like this is just really smart yeah and i was i was with you i i was like i don't need this but now i'm starting to think that other book that's going to come out 
might end up being the one that both of us are like, oh, that's the one we didn't need. But or we'll have to wait and see. Because that one comes out before this one's done, right? I think so, which was confusing in and of itself. Because honestly, I thought it was that other book was the one that was going to come out first. And yeah, I, the schedule for the Black Label stuff has been kind of wonky. But that, yeah, it was definitely both of our pick for this week. And so that was the thing with me. It was just like, you know... I'm uh, well done for making me care about a book I didn't care about. So right. that's, yep. golf that's clap. golf clap. That's really, you know, you're doing a good job with that. Um, so I, I highly recommend that whether you are, if, if you are an old school Batman fan at all, if you like Harley, well done, uh, this is it. This is where you go. And if you just like good writing, this is definitely where you go because this is some of the most poignant and beautiful writing in a Batman book in a while that's not Tom King. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Check this book out. Um, what else you have? Let's see house of X number five. And I'll just, you know, lump in powers of X with that too. Um, gasp, a Marvel book after a huge DC recommendation. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm still enjoying the magic carpet ride. That is, um, house of x and powers of x i'm enjoying what they're doing with it and where they're going and in a lot of ways uh they are i'm not gonna say wooing me but they're doing a good job keeping my focus and attention in ways i didn't necessarily anticipate um that's fair i kind of find myself in the same boat that i kind of expected to be bored of it by now and because i'm not you you officially have my attention yeah um, they're just doing a really good job with, um, how they're doing it. in our last podcast. You mentioned that they were pulling some, uh, stuff that if they kept this junk for real, that it was going to be a game changer. And it ended up being that, uh, this is already a few <laughs> both, weeks behind. Yeah. Both, both, both were true. And yeah. Um, spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers impending, but not really. Um, cause nothing actually changed. Uh, the X-Men have found a way to, you know, defeat death. They can upload the minds of a mutant, uh, into like a DNA format. And then when that mutant dies, like re upload into a fresh new body. So like I had all these logistical questions when I was reading that I'm like, so does Wolverine have adamantium in him now still like this new genetic re upload? Does it include, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. That is an interesting logistical problem, especially in his case. Um, because like, I don't, I haven't heard anything implied or said anything about that. So, you know, if it I doesn't, guess we'll have to see because, so if this new Wolverine just has adamantium, how, how do you genetically reproduce adamantium without bonding it to skin? I mean, it's just like, mm, did you think about this before you did it? <laughs> It's like my. only 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 sort of kind of, but I think we actually have to spoil the one thing because I think we owe it to some people to point this out. It's not just that they figured out how to do that. It's they figured out that one of the mutants native abilities was completely misunderstood up until House of X number five. And that was that mutant. Believe it or not, is gold balls. 
I'll leave dramatic pause time there for you to figure out or to Google who on earth Gold Balls is if you didn't know. I didn't know he it, was a pre-existing mutant, honestly. Oh, yeah. No, Gold Balls is like been around for a hot minute and as they kind of implied is like his ability is that he can create gold Gold balls balls. yes (laughs) and for the longest time everyone was like what and his name's gold balls but what we find out is that it's actually made up of biologic genetic material so they're not balls they're what now eggs good um, now you're keeping up. And so technically gold balls went from probably one of the most confusing mutants ever to in theory, one of the most powerful because he literally in and of himself has the ability to maintain the entire mutant existence from this point forward. Congratulations, John, uh, Hickman, you have given us one of the most confusing moments in X-Men history, but at the same time, that's pretty mind blowing. And as a result, Death means pretty much literally nothing when combined with a power of Cerebro to actually download the soul or being of an X-Men um, so that they can be reproduced. If your head just imploded, welcome to the new X-Men. <laughs> so, But yeah, the point was, as long as these five certain X-Men are alive, then no mutants or X-Men will ever die. And so that's a, that's a, but then in the future balance that with the fact that, um, all life has been, is being absorbed by this, uh, like AI, right? Is that accurate? Yes. In powers of X. I'm not sure that I'm going to, um, I'm not going to assume anything anymore because gold balls gold balls <laughs> it's our sponsor for this episode right so it is probably one of the most confusing things that i've read in a while but we've said that since the beginning but this ride has been worth it it's it's pretty fascinating and i know for me i i'm in i i said from the beginning i was going to be kind of skeptical and i'm hoping that this setup doesn't get lost when we transition into all the splinter books and the X-Men title restarting at number one. That's my only hope now is that this all isn't for nothing, that there's a really good story coming. Let me ask you this. Um, Are you going to keep reading? I intend to. I, he's got to lose me at this point. I think. I'm not going to read every one of the offshoots, but I'm definitely going to read the main line. So what's, what's your deal breaker? Like, what are you going to read? How many of these X-Men books are you going to invest in? I'm probably only going to read the main line until someone tells me, Oh no, no, you absolutely need to read Marauders and why? Um, because to be honest, I did read new mutants number one this week and you can see the show notes in our listeners cannot, but it's not on my list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Claremont and Sienkiewicz wrote and drew that book and it is very Claremont and Sienkiewicz, but I just kind of didn't care. And I think that has to do with team more than anything. Like if you love Sienkiewicz's art, then this is a trip that you need to invest the $4 in because it is very trippy to watch, to look at. (laughs) Um, 
Bill Sienkiewicz didn't just like go partial. He went like full Sienkiewicz, which is just really difficult to. That sounds like a really to. bad medical condition. It depends. Um, it literally is the embodiment of the show Legion, but on a flat page, which makes it even more confusion. Oh. Right. Okay. So that's what that's where I'm at. <laughs> All right. Yep. So Yeah, that's not exactly what I'm, I'm looking in. forward for. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited that Hickman is really crushing this new stand-up of the line, and so I'll stick with the main story until I find what parts of the story interest me most. I suppose it's like any comic reader that we could read everything. For the X-Men fan, probably should read everything because so far the setup looks good, but there are some teams that I just don't care about. All right, fair. I don't I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know what teams I care about. Um, and, like, I don't know if I'm going to keep going past this. I'm not saying I'm not going to. I just don't know that I am. Um, and we can totally see at that point, but I really don't know where I'm at beyond that. Um, so... Beyond that, let me just throw out there, because I don't want to take too much more time, uh, Batman Superman 2, which is in the wake of ba- the Batman Who Laughs whole storyline. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not reading this, so give, give yeah. me a lowdown. Uh, Batman and Superman are coming to realize that some of the DC heroes have been infected by whatever, I guess you call this, illness. And... Um, the one that they discover is that Shazam has been infected and that Shazam is a uh, <laughs> Shazam as an evil Joker induced human is really scary and funny at the same time and cracking old people jokes and riffing like a teenager. Um, and it, it's beautiful. So, like, if you skip everything else, if you don't read this book, because here's the deal. I'm not saying it's worth your time and money to read this whole arc other than if you want to see Joker-induced versions of characters. That's pretty much where the cell is here, just for that enjoyment. But if you pick up Batman Superman 2, you get an evil Jokerized, Batmanized Shazam fighting Batman and Superman and it being brutal in every possibility. You can read it as a standalone. If you're cool with that concept, pick that up. Um, and it was worth my money for that. And this might be a situation where I honestly wait and see what they tell us on the cover. Um, so if you tell me, oh, look, I get a Jokerized question, because I don't even know what that looks like, the Joker. Um, but <laughs> if you if you tell me I get that... Um, I'll probably jump in, but I might be done with it after this. I was just, I gave issue one a shot and they threw Shazam at the end. And I'm like, okay, you got me for one more. Um, so that was a thing. And, uh, personally, I think my other big pull for the week was absolute carnage. Number three. Um, I'm still really, really loving, um, the whole absolute carnage vibe, the relationship with, um, Eddie Brock and Peter, um, Miles getting thrown under the proverbial spider bus here. Um, 
just a lot of stuff. Captain America's involvement is really dope. Um, cause I read that Captain America arc that's still going and it was really disappointing. So it's nice to see a good Captain America after a while. Um, cause, cause I just like to say Marvel, because I know you're listening. Uh, yeah, we know you are. We know you are giving us the Captain America story arc that we got before, after, and during the whole end game run was bad choices, yo. Um, you gave us like one of the weakest Captain America story arcs when the, your country and your fan base loved Captain America the most. You dropped the ball. You played yourself. Um, don't do that. <laughs> um, and you were so, doing so well saying nice things. I was, man, it was like, well, here's the deal. You heard me every week. You were saying, nah, I'm not going to read it. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to keep going. It might get better. And it didn't. <laughs> and... <laughs> So twelve dollar or twelve <sighs> issues at um you know four bucks a pop, that's a lot of money I wasted on a mediocre story when the whole world's like I miss Captain America so do better. Um, that being said, you get some cool Captain America in Absolute Carnage number three, but the big teaser at the end of the issue is that uh, in order to combat, like Eddie Brock is being a bit of a punk in fighting carnage um doesn't really feel up to the task he's scared he's got his kid to worry about all these other things so the symbiote and that he's not willing to do what he needs to do so the symbiote leaves eddie and takes the hulk so you've got this god level carnage face to face with a symbiote hulk and um that's that's the little cliffhanger they give us and it was totally I you you earned I was gonna come back anyway, but you you got me. So those are my pulls. What you got? Well, I just want to say really quick on the end of that note where you talked about Hulk being all symbioted out and everything. Um, you will hear this episode in time on Wednesday. The issue of Absolute Carnage where that kind of plays itself out and the Immortal Hulk is central to the storyline is on Wednesday, and early indications are that's going to be a speculator book. And if you haven't heard us use that term before, that means that all the people's wants to run to the comic shop and buy 10 copies of them so they can sell them on eBay because they're hateful and they don't think children should have awesome comics. Wait, nope. Sorry. My retailer showed a little bit there. Um, but it's supposed to be, it's being speculated to potentially a fairly significant issue. So if what Hector just talked about is interesting to you, you're probably going to want to be to your shop early or call them now and get on that book for Wednesday when it comes out. And what book so, is that? That is the it's the next I'm pretty sure in Absolute Carnage and I think it's Absolute Carnage Immortal Hulk. Um, okay. I saw a couple articles on it, but it's some combination of those things. So if you throw all of those words at your comic <laughs> shop owner, they should probably be like, "Oh right, that's the book that 47 people just called me about." So um you're, you're going to see that get played out here in the near future. So definitely do that. So on to my stuff. I've got a bunch of little books that I don't want to spend a lot of time on, but I want to inform all of you why you should be reading them, or at least just remind you that these are things that we really enjoy. And one of those is we literally talked about this. Uh, I think it was last episode that it felt like Firefly like just disappeared. Well, Firefly number nine came out this week. So yay, brown coats of the world rejoice. So um, part yeah. of that, you know why it felt like that to me? 
I had missed mm. a couple issues and forgot. How dare you? Like um, I think I think I had missed seven, eight, and nine. I'm pretty sure I didn't, and it still felt that way. So I don't know. Maybe it's just the magic of comics, and we got distracted, or who knows? But Firefly number nine did come out. It has a really awesome cover, and you should look. Yeah, that the up cover is great. It, in show notes, and I had another uh, shop manager say, "I called this one. I brought finger guns to a gunfight," and I was like, "Heh." <laughs> um, so check out that cover. It's fun. Um, but same story arc. I've heard some people say this and I'm tending to agree that yo, uh, Greg wrap this up. We're, we're yeah, spending it's going a little, on a little long. We're, we're probably five issues past where this beginning story arc needs to be, but it's still firefly. It's still punchy, but they do need to wrap this one up. So Brown, this Coats, whole, it's the whole boss there. moon thing and everything else is worn its way out. Yep. Nope. Um, and the whole thing of like, we're about to potentially re-adjudicate the entire unification war is kind of starting to make my head hurt. So, um, there's some kind of neat panels in here that literally they end up back at Serenity Valley and there's like, yeah, I appreciated that flashbacks and stuff like that. And, you know, Mal really taking to heart, you know, what happened, what truly happened there. So there's some neat throwback stuff, but yeah, this book needs to move on. Um, I also am way behind on other titles and I finally read once in future number two, which was that really crazy book from boom studios that I mentioned a few episodes ago that basically was this dude's grandma is like some type of, you know, like supernatural esque, um, demon hunter type lady. And she has King Arthur's Excalibur and there's these really bad dudes trying to get it. Because apparently, as we learn in issue number two, spoilery, that they're trying to raise the body of King Arthur to rule again. So now you understand the title once and future. Congratulations. You're welcome. Um, this book is as crazy as it sounds and still has this humor undertone to it. So I'm going to keep reading because it's pretty entertaining. Because there's this really crazy story of trying to raise King Arthur from the dead to reclaim Great Britain. So, once in future, Boom Studios. Uh, check it out. It's a pretty interesting little read, but also has humor in it. Go figure. Um, my other kind of quick one from this week was I also finally read the Moon Knight Annual Number 1. Uh, and Because I love me some Moon Knight. I'm all about Mark Spector and how crazy that dude is. And... This was actually pretty fun. So this is the part of the show where Chris says nice thing about Marvel. Um, the part of the show where Larry comes out and sings a silly song. Right. Right. <laughs> so um, Moon Knight annual number one, you know, is this isolated story. Moon Knight is coming back here in the next couple months. But this story was about Moon Knight and Kang the Conqueror, which is a pretty deep cut uh, yeah, that's... Marvel reference. Um, contest of champions, like that's cool. There's there's cool stuff going on there. And Kang's figured out that some of the things that make Moon Knight powerful from his god are things that he wants for his collection because he's all about collecting power and everything. And it's literally Kang and Moon Knight traipsing through time to find these things and then an epic battle at the end. And it's just one of the most comic book things I've read in the last couple months, which is why I think I enjoyed it so thoroughly because 
not just the issue that Mark Spector literally has three other human beings living in his head. He had like six versions displaced from time Moon Knight versions of himself by the end of this book. And that just made me happy inside. <laughs> so if you're looking for like a super Marvel-y, super comic booky read, that was a fun little trip. And if you are a fan of Moon Knight, I don't think you'll be disappointed in the journey either. So that was just a fun little read. And I guess before I get off Marvel, I'll have to hit on one of the bigger things for the week is I also did is Hector and I didn't miss it. Well, Hector says he still needs to get to it, but I might've talked him into it that JJ Abrams and his son, Henry wrote a Spider-Man book. You didn't misunderstand me. I just said JJ Abrams um, and his kid um, got the helm of Spider-Man and told us they're starting a new Spider-Man arc, which already in the first issue alludes to a new Spider-Man. And I've said it a thousand times on this podcast. I've said it a thousand times to people when they ask me, there's already too many Spider-Man, Spider-Man, friendly Spider-Person, Ghost Spider, whatever books on a comic book shelf, right? I kind of dig where this book's going to go. Um, and just to give a heads up on some of the spoilers, like if you really want to find out on your own, you, you should stop listening. But this iteration of Spider-Man is finally, it's it's Peter and MJ, and they have a kid and and when that kid's at a very young age there is a terrible attack spider-man does his thing spider-man almost dies loses peter parker loses his arm in this battle and mj does what mj does and is killed by this big bad because we just can't have nice things peter certainly can't have nice things and uh Aunt May raises their kid because Peter goes back to just being a full-time photojournalist because he can't really be much of a Spider-Man um, with only one arm. And so we see kind of that stra- – Yeah, it's a strained existence, but we're following the kid. So we've got this bright red-haired teenager that starts to find out kind of, you know, all uh, into the Spider-Verse that he's got spider powers and starts to sticking the things and stuff. And Aunt May's like, ah, uh, I know what you're going through. And it's like, th- this is the most awkward version of the talk ever, Aunt May. And shows, I guess they never told the kid really who everybody was um, because the end of that book is him finding out he kind of has the powers and find... Aunt May shows him all of Peter's stuff from that half of his life. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. Um, it It's kind of a foil to the original Spider-Man story, but I'm kind of curious where it's going to go. Um, because we had big bads, we had the sentimental loss, but we have a kid in high school again. So I've just always been a fan of that era Um Spider-Man, but we're going to see it in a new iteration. I feel like that's the only appropriate era of Spider-Man, but right. That I feel like those other books are where we got lost. So at first this sounded like gimmicky as all get out to have Abrams plural, um, writing a Spider-Man book, but it's pretty good. But wait, we've got more Abrams. 
Right. <laughs> there's there's Abrams everywhere. Um, so check it out. It, you might have some difficulty finding it um, because it did sell. Um, but I enjoyed it. If you're into the Spider-Man, like Spidey in high school kind of thing, I, I think we're on the right track. But it's a little early, but I'm optimistic that this is going to kind of correct a lot of stuff for them. And I guess the last book we should talk about, um, because most people are probably like, how the heck did you get through that episode and not mention it, is Curse of the White Knight uh, number three also came out in this last period. So between reading Harleen and this, we got lots of Black Label in two weeks. And man, Curse of the White Knight just... Sean Murphy is just killing it. Um with this story, with his version of the Batman universe and everything. Azrael is still an absolutely frightening presence in all of these books. And I'm kind of taken aback by the reality that he's not really in them for very long so far. Um, but when he is, you remember. And there was just lots of crazy stuff going on in this book. And yeah, what what were your feelings on on White Knight this this time around? Because I, I think I might avoid spoilers this time, but I'll let you decide whether we want to jump in on kind of the big one or not. Um, I think my only beef is that Azrael being Azrael seems a little uh, fudged. That you've got oh. a dude who literally we get no story of the development. Mm. That there's right. n- you go from literally like, hey, disabled veteran with a drinking problem and cirrhosis of the liver. Here's a costume, and now you're a poetic Bible quoting superhero. Hurrah! Um, now go kill all of the things that seem questionable. While you Wait, quote what? all of John eight twelve in one panel and then stab people. Um, come on, bro. There was there was lots of stabbing in, the, in this the, particular book. That's so. that's my only beef. Is like, I feel like we should have had like four or five issues leading up to Azrael being who he is at this point. Cause before this, he was John Rambo before he was John Rambo. I meant like, yeah, I get your old special forces, but the Bible verses and the sword play and the costume, what soldier automatically is like, yeah, let me get that red costume and a sword and quote the Bible without in any indoctrination or training or anything else. It just seems, um, it seems like I could buy it, but I feel like it's too rushed. Yeah, they connected him to the Order of Saint Dumas, but they didn't really. He didn't have that. Oh, that's what such and such in my family history meant, or this, or anything. They were just like, "Hey, this symbol, do the thing." Um. So I'm curious if Murphy will give us any flashbacks on that, um, because we are kind of hard charging through this story at this point but that kind of leads me to believe that we probably won't, but still there's lots of crazy stuff going on in these books. Um, like without getting into, it's like spoiler adjacent, but like Harley is pregnant with twins. You can go ahead and do the math on that one. Um, because it's all in the Sean Murphy universe. So remember everything that occurred in white Knight is we're still, extrapolating out the reality of the world that we live in and which means we're only (laughs) it means we're only roughly six to eight months since 
Oh, why not? Correct. Yep. And, you know, the GTO, the task force form to basically keep Batman in check is still kind of going on. Batman is starting to play super fast and loose with his actual secret identity. Um, Because I, you know, we could probably spend a lot of time talking about that, so we won't. But I'm kind of dumbfounded how quickly in this world, Bruce is like, no, it's pretty much better that everyone just knows who I am. And how he does it is just kind of underwhelming and super surprising at the same time. Um, But... Murphy is like changing up the game in Gotham. And this last book was pretty wild in terms of that, that there's significant death. There's the significance of new life uh, coming about. And the Joker's got his hands on supposedly the best joke ever um, about the history of Gotham and the Wayne family and just everything all together. So I think you've heard Hector and I say a lot, you just should probably be reading this series, but you got to start at the beginning and go back and read white Knight if you've not. And it's worth the trip. So man, Hector, again, lots of, lots of comics, lots of stuff going on. Um, and we're just excited to be bringing that to you guys. And we are now officially at episode 24, which means, we're only two episodes away from making that bow of 26 episodes, which for us is one year of being on the uh, air here with Love Thy Nerd and everyone. So we just want to uh, thank everyone for coming along with us on this journey. And, you know, we couldn't possibly do any of this alone. Hector and I have wanted to do this podcast for a while, and Love Thy Nerd came along and gave us a space to kind of hang it and put it in front of a community. So we've always been thankful for them. And as a result, we're one of three podcasts on the love thy nerd podcast network. We also have humans of gaming with drew and Chris, where they do interviews with game designers, producers, and creators that get to the heart of what they do and why they do it. And we also have the free play podcast with Bubba, Matt and Kate, where they cover about just about everything else nerdy and wonderful that's going on. And they're a bunch of cut-ups, and they're fun to listen to. So, you know, check it out. You can check all of us out at lovethynerd.com or on the Book of Faces at the Love Thy Nerd community. And go ahead and click and join that, and you can join us in conversations. So that's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast, episode 24. It's now in the can. Thanks again for making us your primary source of all things comic booky and generally nerdy on a near weekly basis. But don't leave us hanging. Tell us how we're doing. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. So seriously, everyone, thanks for listening. And remember, kids, read more comics. Read more comics. Take all seven continents of the game of risk.